Hey there, skips and skipperettes from all across the wild, untamed reaches of internet land, and welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. Now, I am super excited about today's show because it has a uniquely personal tie for me. Skipper Greg Riley was a friend of mine before my jungle days, and he was also my training buddy on the Big Riverboat Ride. So when I look back and think of my start in the jungle, it always comes back to him and our time training and working the attraction together. Now, Greg has gone on to uh, become a teacher and an upstanding citizen, but I wanted to make sure we didn't let him forget his humble beginnings as a slayer of jokes and a shooter of hippos. Now, this was a shorter interview, but we cut it in half anyway to keep the episodes down to a drivable time for our listeners who commute. So today we set the Wayback Machine to 2003, and we chat with skipper Greg Riley on the tales from the Jungle Cruise. Doing well. How are you, sir? Good. It uh, it's funny. The voice just brings back a flood of memories. So, <laughs> likewise, likewise. So it, it's been way, way, way too long. Um, Greg, I, I guess one of the cool things about doing the podcast is that I get to touch bases with people that I worked with, and no one has the connection uh, with me that you have because you and I trained together. Um, at jungle, you know, that was kind of, you know, you were my training buddy. That's right. Um, now, but we knew each other before then, cause we knew each other back when you were at interventions. Right. So let's just, let's go, let's go into the Wayback machine and go, how did Greg Riley, uh, wind, wind up at the jungle cruise or <laughs> at, at Disney at Disney? At Disney. Okay. Yeah. We'll start We'll start. how did you hire in? Well, I hired in actually in 99 originally as a CT cast member. Um, actually it was one of those college, uh, it wasn't the college program, like the traditional college program that you might think of when you think of Disney. Um, there was a recruiter out at my community college that I was attending and they were, they were looking for some people to work at the park during the summer. And so, uh, it had been my dream to work at the park ever since I was probably two years old as if I, I don't even I, I think I can think back that far, but yeah. anyway, um, isn't it funny to think about that there was a time when their staffing levels were so uh, narrow that they actually had recruiters going out there and trying to trying to find people? <laughs> right, I know it's it's unbelievable actually, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so I was uh, they were they kind of flagged me down and they said, would you be interested in working for the parks? And I said, uh, yes, of course. And, uh, and so, well, they said, well, if you've got 15 minutes, uh, if you want to sit down, we'll have an on the spot interview. So I of course did. And, uh, there were, you know, the typical canned questions, why you want to work for Disney? What do you know about Disney and, and that type of thing? And, um, now, where, and were you, so, where were you going to school? Uh, El Camino college in Torrance. Is, is, is El Camino the El Camino of colleges as well? It, is it kind it of a hi- the, the hybrid that no one wants to drive? Pretty much, pretty, 
<laughs> I guess you could describe it as, as such. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, although, I don't know, I... I did get a lot of uh, good opportunities out of going there, but uh, but yeah, it was it was quite the experience to say the least. Uh, so anyway, uh, I <clears throat> auditioned uh, kind of on the spot, and, and they did call it more of an audition. I think now that I'm thinking back about it, it was an audition more than an, an interview, mm -hmm. um, in the typical Disney flair. But um, so. So we sat down and the recruiter said, you know, if you could, if you wanted to work anywhere at the park, you know, I really like you, uh, where would you want to work? I'm like, Jungle Cruise, done. That's it. That's what I want to do. And he's like, well, it's really hard to do that. We actually, you have to go through an audition process, which actually ended up not being true, but that's yeah. what he told me. And, uh, and so I said, well, you know, I, I do want to, I know I want to work in attractions. So you get me close to Jungle, I'll be happy. So I went through the, uh, the interview process officially through TDA. And, um, and then after that, they gave me the job and I went all the way through Disney university and, uh, you know, I, uh, they put your preferences down and of course jungle was number one and I got it to make a long story short. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was in the summer of 99. And, um, I, I lasted, you know, I went through the summer and then um, probably through actually one more summer into 2000. And it was during that time that I heard about auditions at Innoventions. And so I decided, uh, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. I, I had been in the building quite often and I was excited about technology, even though I had worked at, at Jungle. Um, I, you know, I, I was interested in other opportunities. So, uh, so anyway, I, I auditioned and then, uh, I, uh, I was hired into the building there. I spent uh, two and a half years in the building of interventions, uh, where I, uh, cross trained to upstairs and downstairs. And eventually I was, uh, you know, wanting to be on the ring, which is the, the moving uh, aspect of it. More and the, more I, the performance I aspect of it. Right. Right. I auditioned for that. Didn't get it. So I, you know, I was like, well, okay, if I'm not going to do this, I'd like to continue uh, with with some sort of acting or or something in the park. So I would like to go back to jungle. So that's kind of what I did, and uh, and that's kind of, I think, you know, I met you during kind of towards the the tail end of uh, working at Inno, and then um, and then you know we we trained together, um, um, and. That was that's an interesting story altogether on that that first training day. Well, but, let's uh, well let's let's jump back a little bit. Was um was part of what uh, drew you over in eventually because it's a it's a, a pay premium anywhere in the building, right? It's it's all it was all higher pay than anywhere else at the park at the time for attractions. Absolutely, and that was a, a huge uh, yeah. drawing factor for me. Uh, you know, starving college student and. Uh, and so, yeah, that was a huge plus. But, but also, you know, I really liked, I liked the aspect of of Tomorrowland and and really kind of kind of selling technology, kind of kind of being um, like a a trade show uh, person. So, yeah. I, I kind of like that aspect as well. But yeah, the, the money wasn't bad. Well, and, and those and those were, those were back in the days when Tomorrowland had things like because um, it was after Circle Vision had closed or soon soon in that area. So they had that whole NASA display with the moon rock and yeah, right. The, uh, the aerogel and all the cool NASA stuff that was hanging out there before they opened up Buzz Lightyear. Right. In fact, that was um, I think the rocket rods were still 
moving at that point. <laughs> they weren't moving. It was it was shortly thereafter. But yes, yeah, it was a short short window to that. So <laughs> right. The um, that timeline was actually kind of fun because I I came on with the resort um, uh, into two thousand ish. Uh, it was when when California Adventure was it two thousand two thousand one and it was the, yeah when California Adventure opened. But I was actually in the park for the New Year's Eve on the rollover from ninety nine to two thousand as a guest. Okay. So just crazy. I mean, thinking back to those times. Um, but yeah, I, I actually had known you at that time because one of my uh, best friends was one of the one of the leads over at Interventions, Jenny Jones. Right. And Jenny and I have been close for years and years. She's one of my best friends, and she had done pretty much everything you could do over on the Intervention side. So um, yeah, no, it was it was I would come over and see her, and she introduced me to you, and then when I uh, kind of came back to the park my second time after having been over at. Uh, uh, California Adventure. That's when you and I trained together. Well, you you uh, you go back to the those times, and you know you kind of forget some of that. But you know, you mentioned Jenny, and yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You know, she um, she was definitely one of those people that really stands out in my mind as uh, being just the, the sweetest person that you'd ever want to meet, but also just a wonderful person to work with in the building. And uh, she was actually a trainer of mine. Um, when I when I cross trained downstairs, so you know just a flood of memories are uh, you know, kind of going through my mind uh, working with Jenny. So that's well, and, awesome. she, and she yeah she was always super high energy and uh, you know she really as much as anyone when I worked at the park she was the person who I kind of had as my ideal for a Disney employee because she really had you know the Disney spirit and energy and really kind of personified you know, the, the ideal cast member in my eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You think of the spirit award on the name tag and, you yeah. know, you come across some, you know, some cast members that you think, like, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that, but okay, they have it. That's cool. But yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. Jenny is, I hope she has one because she definitely, I think she uh, did. In I, my I, mind, I, I think she got one. So before we jump over to jungle, what was, uh, how was interventions for you? What was the, I mean, the feel you were there, a pretty good amount of time. Did you did you enjoy it? What was your what was your energy there? You know, I think the energy was always always incredible. Working with the cast there, uh, you know, every day you would walk into the building and you were suddenly sort of catapulted into this this uh, kind of uh, you know dream world where you know where people are really excited about technology all of the time. And so the the you know the cast members really embodied that role I think and uh, you know it, those relationships that were established there I think still resonate with me today. Um, there are folks who still work in the park and uh, you know I I see uh, lots of people kind of just in in uh, video clips from the park and uh, you know I, I know one gentleman that I worked with is a, a dapper Dan now. So you know you you look back and you see all those those key people that you worked with then and uh, you know it's it's just an incredible experience kind of really hard to describe to you um, you know probably when I first hired in I, I started with the 101 or uh, I guess it was the 102 Dalmatian show and that was my first show that I did there and um, and just kind of kind of working kind of at, as more of an acting role than I think that Jungle really does. I think Jungle's really more stand-up than, than more, more of an acting role and taking kind of a, sa a stage role. 
but um, but learning learning the script word for word, and just kind of developing that camaraderie, very similar to when you work on a any type of a stage show, yeah. uh, where you get really close with the cast members, and um, you know I've got just made uh, you know lifetime memories um, you know with those people, and and uh, you know, that'll never go away from me. Yeah, I, I bet it was easier in that role to have already gone through Jungle and been there for a little while gotten the feel for being in front of people and working with guests and then to be put into a place like interventions where you have a much different type of guest interaction. I can, I can see how that with your personality particularly, but uh, in general, how that's a really nice fit. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a nice fit. Um, and I, and I feel like I connected well with that and I, and I definitely attribute it to the experience that I did have at, at jungle, you know, um, just, coming out of high school, my first year into college, not, you know, kind of wet behind the ears, not really knowing who I am. And, uh, and so that really did develop me as a person. And, uh, you know, I, I carry those skills into today. Yeah. Now, as, as someone who's gone on to become a teacher, do you feel like, um, the intervention side of things that that was a really good catapult to you? Uh, I know you're teaching English. I do. I teach English at yeah. the high school level. Yeah. But I mean, do you feel like a lot of the skills that you um, acquired at the park and acquired through Disney really set you up well for what you did later in life? Absolutely. And if I could say, you know, if anybody's listening, that's thinking of becoming a teacher or, or something like that. I really think that working for interventions, working for Jungle Cruise or even Disney at, at all really did prepare me. You know, I always make the joke that it, it prepared me because I was constantly going around in circles talking to myself all day long, which is exactly what teaching is like. Uh, it, um, it's also, by the way, the same thing that homelessness is like. Just, uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> a lot less, a lot less fulfilling, perhaps, uh, and something that you know no one wants to do. But you know, no it's... Wrote, that's true. That's true. But <laughs> but but luckily, I, I did not go to that point. But yes, <laughs> close a few times. But <laughs> hey, who who was your uh, the first time you were around Jungle? Who was who was your trainer the first time through? Oh my gosh, I you know I can't remember his name for the life of me. Um, mm -hmm. I'm terrible with names, but um, I know I know if I if I saw his name and I saw his face, I would. Yeah. I, I, but I now, would, but now it was, it was a much more memorable training uh, experience for us the second time around, um, because of for a number of reasons. But uh, right. you want to go ahead and give that a start, and we'll 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 get into well, that fun first, story. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that um, that you know as soon as. As soon as I was uh, starting on the job training, uh, you know, of course, that particular day, my alarm clock decided that it was not going to go off. So I was immediately late. Um, <laughs> and so I was freaking out because I was worried that I wasn't going to get jungle again. Yeah, that they would um, pull it because you didn't show to your training. Right, right. Which I had heard had, had transpired. Oh, that, 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 that's actually kind of right. I think that that's their way of penalizing uh uh, people who who don't uh, toe the line is they'll they'll pull it from you and they'll put you over at Main Street vehicles or something. <laughs> right. Not that Main Street vehicles is bad. Don't get me wrong. Right. No. I. I you know that's actually one of the attractions that I eventually wanted to uh, to go to, but uh, <clears throat> never got the chance to. But but yeah. So I was immediately freaking out and and so I you know luckily I was very familiar with the process of getting into costume. You know I had my costume already. To go and you know I was about probably an hour late so um, you know I already knew the, the the plus was I already knew the script um, you know I, I definitely uh, you know I I, done, I can do the uh, you know the spiel in my sleep 
but you know that fear was there that they were going to pull it from me. Yeah. So I, I hop uh, hop into the boat where I see you and uh, a few other uh, a few other people and um, and so we we start we start off and I and I knew as soon as I got in the boat this was not going to be the ordinary jungle <laughs> cruise <laughs> training experience. Uh, not, I mean, not only you know was it fun and and witty and and the typical things that you would expect during a training shift, but um, but just working with the individuals that that we did work yeah. with, it well, just it just made it a blast. Yeah, and you and I, I mean, obviously you and I, uh, I was a rehire, you were transferring over, and we had two uh, new hires that were also training that same day. And uh, unless it's a peak season, it's pretty rare to have two training groups going at the same time. Right. Um, I and you know I didn't see a lot of that uh, happen in the whole time that I was at Jungle, where they had uh, the double dipping there. Um, sure. So it was uh, you and I were a training group together because we both had had our our uh, feet wet. To pardon a jungle thought, <laughs> I never actually fell in the water. It was a good thing. Um, I never either. I was yeah. very fortunate. Came I, close. I watched it a couple times, but uh, <laughs> but so you and I were there, and uh, then uh, Skipper Ron or Captain Ron, as he prefers to be addressed, his right. magnificence. Um, and then a, a redheaded lady named Caroline, who did not last long. She, um, she was, uh, I would say she was probably in her late 40s. Um, I think that she was uh, entering the workforce for the first time. I don't think that she had worked before. Right. Um, and she she didn't have a great timing. I think she would have done great in, uh, in fantasy land. Yes. Actually, I even thought maybe even storybook canal. Like, yeah, I thought that that would have been a better role for her, but yeah. Well, and then we, we complicated the situation more because we started with two trainers, uh, with, uh, Kaz and I want to say it was Kaz and Kelly, Right. And then Kelly couldn't make it after the first day, so Amanda took over at, for our second half of the training. So it was even more complicated. Absolutely. So, it, but it, it was yeah. A, yeah, it was a fun time though. It was, uh, yeah, I think I, it's fresher for me because I've had to recount, recount it so many damn times with uh, <laughs> talking with people in the podcast and and all of that side of things. So what was your, uh, what did you see as the big differences the first and second time through jungle? Did it change, did it change very much in that three years in the middle? You know, I, I really think that it did. And I, and I have seen it happen. I've seen a change over maybe two to three times in the time that I've been an AP uh, and also move, transitioning from, you know, as a cast member to different places during the park. <clears throat> I, I really do feel like, the essence of the cast at any given time, um, be it like the class of 2000 or to 2004 or what, or whatnot, sure. uh, the, you know, the, those groups of people really do make the culture. Uh, and there, it was a completely different culture from when I first hired in to when I hired in again. And, and the only way I can describe it, um, you know, when, when you first hire on, it was, you know, you know, it's very frightening to kind of be thrown into this mix where, uh, you know, there, there's lots of kind of older individuals that, that have been doing it a while. There's, there's new ones. And I don't want to say it was a toxic culture because it wasn't, but it wasn't as fun as it was the second time that I hired in. Uh, the group of people really did rely on one another. There was a sense of identity 
teamwork camaraderie that did not exist when I first hired in. Yeah. Well, I, and I know there was, there was a lot of, you know, things that had happened in that 97 to 99 period with, with leads and, and managers and things that had caused that. Um, and coming out of the narrations years, um, right. where, you know, it, it, we talk about how jungle has a cycle, um, almost like, you know, the giant wheel of fortune that keeps on spinning and you have these eras that are looser and tighter on script and restrictions and as different teams of people come through who are able to change the culture and to really you know bring forth the essence of the ride or then the times where you know management feels that they need to take a stronger role in advocating for um, you know for one thing or another and it does definitely have a fluctuation and I've heard that from every generation of jungle that people who've come back or who were there for long periods of time saw these rotations of uh, different uh, climate and that's that's with any any group of people where you have a rotation and where you have fallout and yes <clears throat> and I remember there you know when I first hired him they were coming down very very hard on <clears throat> on most individuals because uh, you know, of go, you know, most most skippers were going off script and saying uh, some some definitely uh, <laughs> inappropriate things. And you know, at the time, I you know I didn't really know what I was getting into, and so <clears throat> you know there were also issues where um, I remember Jungle Justice being served very often, which was not the case when. Uh, when I returned, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, for yeah, those of you, I, I don't know if you talked about Jungle Justice. Uh, no, much. I mean we really haven't, to be very honest. And it's it's funny because it's something that's been there in every generation. Right. Um, jungle Jungle Justice, um, you know, was was something that you know, if somebody was maxing on their brakes, or um, you know, uh, typically typically when I first hired in, it was something that if if people didn't like you. And and you were the new person that they would they would uh, do jungle justice more often than than when I returned, which I kind of thought was strange. Mm -hmm. I've I've actually you know run into individuals whom I worked with and uh, they didn't really remember me either. So you know it's kind of one of those things where you know I I definitely think that you know I grew into my skin much more the second time that I worked there and uh, and. There, there was just a, it was just a, a different me and a different them all, to, all, all the way around. So yeah, I can't yeah. just point fingers at everybody else. And the experience is so individualized for for every person that goes through it. People are gonna, I think people take away from the jungle what they want to put into it. Yes. Uh, and there are people who will come in with a horrible attitude and they'll leave with an experience that matches that. And then you'll have people who come in with a very positive attitude. And, and I think that they contribute to to the feel and to the tone of the of the ride. There definitely were people in that era. And I, I, I really credit the lead team in that 2003, 2004 range was a bunch of, of really tight, great, supportive, fantastic leads. Not that the other ones haven't been, but they really stood out in my mind as, as really being exemplary in that way. Yes, absolutely. And I can really, I mean, just, just thinking right now, I can think of at least four individuals that, you know, to this day, really demonstrated that Disney leadership. I I believe a few of them did go on to become higher up in. Oh, and and name check as much as you want for first names. I mean, I didn't mm -hmm. leave the last names out of it, but yeah, Skip, Skipper Andy was is one yeah. of those who really stands out in my mind as yeah, being and, exemplary. Yeah, Andy was fantastic. So was Scott. Uh, both of them were leads. 
Uh, Scott and Andy were kind of the the night leads and weekend leads for the the time that that we were there. Right. Uh, and then there was a third lead, and I can't think of who the third lead was beyond uh, Jerry. Uh, but no, no, I mean Scott and Andy were fantastic, and you know I uh, was lucky enough to have one of each of them on my two last my my two <laughs> last boats that I had. I had. Uh, uh, one for my closing manager one night and the other one for our closing lead one night, then closing lead the next time I, I left five years later. So. <laughs> so now how many, how many tours have you had going back to the jungle cruise? I, I did, uh, I opened DCA or I came on right as DCA was opening. I should say I wasn't there for testing, uh, but I was there, um, around the opening at Malibuomer and orange stinger. Okay. Um, which was both are gone now. And I, I blame my working on them for them being gone. <laughs> Then I came over to uh, Jungle in 03, uh, which we established that. And then I stayed for about three, two and a half, three years, uh, left for about nine months or so. And then I came back and spent another year and a half, uh, started started at Indy, actually, and then came back to Jungle eventually. Gotcha. So, Because I was supposed to get Jungle right when I came back, uh, but they actually had a trainer who didn't show for that day, and I don't remember who it was, or there was some situation, and then they shuffled me over to Indy for training, and I just could not convince them to put it off or get me over there. So mm. I ended up spending about six months uh, devoted to Indy before I got my jungle knowledge back. Gotcha. So it which was good. I, I liked you. You had Indy knowledge though too, right? I did. I did have Indy and Thunder. Yeah, no, Indy was great. I remember you in the Thunder costume. They they wanted me to work on um, on steam trains, but only part time, and I didn't want to be a semiconductor. Got it. <laughs> but um, that is to the day one of my favorite jokes. And I worked at um, I worked over at Lincoln as well. That's right. So I was always jealous that you had that. I was. I, that's one of the. Uh, that's one of the areas that I really wanted to go into. Yeah. Well, it was a great place to work. I mean, I worked over there with um. Uh, Sam, Samantha was, was my trainer over there, but, uh, uh, Mike, Mike P and I, I don't want to throw last names around here. You know, you know, Mike, right? Yeah. We were over there, uh, training together. So that was when they had the headphones and that really awful script and the buzzing in your ear. And it's like, uh, I spent more time. Cunningham. Oh my God. <laughs> Putting <laughs> you are young corporal Richie Cunningham on his way to see the fawns. Um, <laughs> I think that's how that script went. I, Something I, like that, yeah. We, <laughs> we, uh, we, we swabbed more uh, headphones with alcohol swabs than I even want to think about. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good time. So when did you end up leaving? When did you end up uh, finally heading out? Well, it was uh, July of 2005, so yep. right around the 50-year mark. Yep, yeah, and that was right about the time that I – because I – I think I left right in that same window too, because I was there for enough of the fiftieth to get my golden name badge, mm-hmm. but I wasn't there long enough to have the golden boats. So I wasn't actually there for part of the fiftieth anniversary. Okay. So. So yeah, no, it was it was good time. So um, you know, what other? I mean, what was what's your? Do you have a jungle memory that kind of sums up working the ride for you, or a guest experience, something that really? kind of you know coalesces in a short and insightful story (laughs) (laughs) i i don't i don't have uh just one experience i think that it's just a sort of a cacophony of many experiences that have kind of woven together in my mind at this point but uh you know i really one of the things that you know moving on uh after disney and after jungle cruise that really sticks with you 
is uh, just the the magic that is the place that that still resonates that you want to go back to. Uh, the only way I can describe it is a, you know Peter Pan's Neverland. This idea that uh, that you know you you pretty much can make whatever uh, reality happen for you. And and well, and, and I think that was true largely to the extent of the the degree of, in which the cast members, uh, the guest interaction. Um, the the plastic animals and the you know the the crappy water coming off off of the the waterfall of Schweizer Falls those experiences those you know sights smells sounds all of those experiences you know really kind of beckon beckon you back to the, that that time yeah. in your life where yeah. you where you wish you could return well and unfortunately I I think that it's that you know you can never go home side of things too you know I you know, my third trip back, it was not the same level of magic that the the first two had held for me. I'll be honest. I mean, it was still good, but, you know, it was definitely missing something. And uh, maybe it was the part where I was at in my life. But, uh, you know, it's tough to go back when you have that first experience and really recapture that that exact magic and that exact way of, of, uh, of being. Um, it was tough for me because when I went back the second time, I was much more towing the line straight and narrow stuck to the OG kind of a guy. And the first time though, I wasn't. And that reputation followed me the whole time I was there. And I was lucky enough to, to, you know, get uh, in a position where I could do Disney university. And I kind of had, had, you know, a long struggle of convincing people that, you know, I had kind of changed my, my spots a little bit. Yeah. You know, just looking back at, you know, the, the OG, you know, a lot of, a lot of those jokes, one of the things that has stuck with me is the, the, the ability to, uh, you know, to put my input into the script. And, and I hope that that part, that piece is still there. Um, and, and, there and there isn't one thing that, it, you know, is essentially me, but I, but I think that, you know, the, what I brought to the guest experience every single day, you know, those experiences coming around the corner with you know you would have boats that would be completely quiet but those who are just cheering you on i think those experiences do stick with me uh you know even to this day and and uh you know just speaking to you know your experience you know a lot of those experiences came about not because i was on script because most of the time i wasn't but but the energy and and the the connection that that the skipper has with the guests, I think, you know, and that, you know, I, I really had a lot of guest compliments from it and, you know, I would never get guest compliments coming from, you know, strictly all the same jokes that everybody had heard. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like you have to toe that line. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, be respectful to the environment, but at the same time, you know, realize that, that, uh, you know, that reputation can, can go with you. Yeah. I mean, it really is a catch 22 that there's, there's this balancing act between, um, staying on script a hundred percent and people hearing the same nostalgic jokes all the time. And, um, you know, wanting to go on and hearing a little newness every once in a while, cause you've written it so often. And that's a really tough balancing act for the, the management and the lead team to, to enforce and to work with. Because, you know, the guest experience is so different and varied um, that I think a lot of it comes down to staying on the script, 
but knowing how to interact with the guests in a way that keeps it fresh. Yes. yes. Uh, best One of my best trips I ever had, my, my most memorable, I sat in the front of the boat with an eight or nine-year-old girl and just talked to her about the animals. You know, didn't, you know, it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't on script, but it wasn't, you know, it was just having the discussion. Like I was an actual jungle river guide and getting into that character and having those, you know, very open and one-on-one discussions. Everyone on the boat, you know, laughed at because it was her sense of wonder and, and joy. And the fact that I was playing off of that a little bit. And I think that's, those moments are the ones that stick with you. When you do the same script, you know, 40 times a day, it's pretty hard to have you know the you know have it stick in your mind but the great thing is if you have an awful trip you have another one eight minutes later and you know going back to that question about being in preparation for teaching you know it's it's kind of the same thing it's you know you're going to have a a bad class and you, you know you might tell the same joke three or four times during the day and it's going to it's going to reach different people you know in in different ways and uh, and it's you know it's all about knowing your audience, connecting with that audience, so they have a, a memorable experience. Yeah. So. You know, and I think that prior to the the 50th anniversary too, there was a different guest in the park than there is definitely today. Um, but at that point, there was still an off season. You know, there was still a point where you know we would have nights where it was it was dead. You know, where the park would have a, a, a quarter or a fifth of what it has today on on an off-season day and you don't have those anymore every day is packed every day is you know full of people and that impacts it too heavily because at the time it was such a um annual passport holder heavy environment Mm -hmm. that what i think happened is that we got used to seeing a lot of people on a weekly or sometimes nightly basis Yes. You know, so we would we would have nighttime shifts where we'd see people every single week or a couple times during the week that would come back and ride the boats over and over. And I think that environment really kind of fostered a lot of the the um, deviations from the, the from the story from the set, set script. Interesting idea. Yeah. You know, I, I can't speak a lot to how the park is today. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm distanced by 1,700 miles, so I'm not able to. Well, but I'll, I'll tell you the big thing that was announced two days ago was the park ticket increases. Yes. Y- you know, it's $127 for a park hopper. Wow. And um, I, re- I can tell you exactly in 2003 what it was. Do you remember what it was for a, for a park ticket in 03? 03, I want to say, was it? Forty-eight dollars. Forty-eight dollars. It was yes. the it was the same uh, amount as the years the park was open. The, mm-hmm. uh, they had had an increase of a dollar a year. So effectively, the the ticket price has tripled in a span of ten years. Incredible. Incredible. So I mean, it's just and the thing is, they're still packed. Right. And it's and it's crazy that they're still packed. You know, the southern the the Southern California passport now I think has only a hundred and. 80 days or 170 days a year you can go. Wow. I mean, it's a huge blackout. The top pass, the one that gets you unlimited plus parking plus all your discounts uh, on both coasts. Do you know how much it is now? Uh, is it 1,200? That's a thousand. Nine 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 ninety nine or nine whatever. Okay. So, but I mean, it's I mean six or seven hundred dollars for an unlimited with parking now. So I mean, it's it's crazy. I don't I don't know that as a casual guest I would afford it. Yeah, I don't know if I could either. 
But I mean, the, the thing that I can't figure is, is that, you know, with the economy, the way that it is, is it just that people are saving up more and it's, it's, you know, more of a magical thing or whatever, you know, whatever that side is. I, I just don't get how, I'm sure a lot of it is that they're doing the monthly payments. I'm sure that breaks it down for some people into a, an affordable monthly side of things. But I just don't see how people afford it right now. Yeah, I suspect, I suspect that that is true, Kyle. I, I think that, you know, having, being able to finance it, it you know, I'm sure makes yeah. it easier on families. I mean, even, but that's, you know, once again, only one, you know, one pass is what, if the premium would be like, what, $56 or something right now? Yeah. I mean, per month? Yeah, yeah, fifty or fifty-five or whatever it is, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that that really changes the the park as well. And I, you know, I I think that because of that, they see, and of course, because of the weakness of the dollar, we see a lot more international traffic than we did, uh, which presents a whole bunch of other challenges, you know, for for cast members. Uh, but I mean, it's a really different place than it was. There's still some of the same people and there's the same experience. And I, I really believe that the more it changes, the more it stays the same. Um, yeah. yeah. And they keep the, the environment, but it definitely, those price increases shocked me. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize it had gotten up to that level. I did read it on, on a, a couple of the, uh, the Disney news sites and, uh, and it really did kind of take, take me back. But then again, I do remember as I was leaving, uh, I do remember hearing uh, rumors that it was going to increase a dollar per year. Uh, that didn't really sink in until until recently how much that actually is. Yeah. Um, but um, but I also feel like you know at what you know what is the price and you know how far can they take that out between you know where people are going to start saying well that's just too much. I'm not going to spend that much money to go, you know? Well, and also at the point where it becomes a public relations issue for them and, and, you know, where people look at the parks in a different way because of the pricing, where it's no longer an affordable luxury, you know, or an affordable thing for families when it becomes really a luxury item. And I think that it, it changes the perception of people's placement in the marketplace on the business side of things. And, you know, I think just looking at, at the business model and, and how they have sort of encompassed Disney parks into this collective sort of consciousness where, you know, one is the same, even though they're not the same experiences, but at least in terms of price, you know, they're becoming more equivalent and they're so, yeah. sort of streamlining that. I just saw a report that, um, that, uh, Disneyland Paris lost 86 million euros in the last quarter. Um, and you know, that apparently that's like four times the loss that it had last year on the same quarter. Mm. So, I mean, that's that apparently Paris has never made money. It's mm -hmm. never had a profitable year. So I, I kind of wonder, I mean, is it just a trophy at this point? Is it just to say that they have it? You know, I, I, it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. yeah I, d I don't know. Uh, I, I did get the, the opportunity to go there once and, you know, I gotta say, you know, the the overall experience I had was was awesome. You know, yeah. they had a, they, I thought they did Disney well there, yeah. um, and I, I think that when I, when I look back at uh, kind of the the overall experiences, that they're really trying to capture what Disney World is is doing more so than Disneyland, I think, yeah. and and really hoping that uh, the tourists from other places in Europe. Uh, and, and definitely, I think they're hitting the UK very hard with targeting 
you know, they they're hoping that that they really get a lot of that revenue coming in from outside. Yeah. Well, they, more they, so than than generating it from locally. Yeah, well, I know that they they brought in the uh, more of the the Hollywood studios experience too, and when they opened that up, it made a big difference. But still, yeah, it's it's been a, a tough. Uh, tough business model for them to to work it especially like i said with the economy in europe being what it is i can imagine they're taking hits too absolutely ah that's all a bunch of super dry stuff (laughs) yeah let's just feel the bones creaking as we're talking about economy and so much fun so much hey did did you meet uh, did you meet your wife at disney i forget is that i didn't meet my wife at disney we actually uh we met in in high school uh, and we didn't start dating till Make sure you join us next week for the thrilling conclusion of this episode of Tales from the Jungle Cruise.